Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Ariel Helwani, back with another edition of the critically acclaimed DC and Helwani program. And boy, am I excited to talk about what happened this past weekend in the world of the UFC and mixed martial arts. A lot has happened since we last spoke, so stay right there because I want to tell you that I am very excited about something else, the return of basketball. Yes, the NBA resumes on July 30th officially, and I know what I'll be doing all weekend long. That's watching the greatest sports league on the planet, the National Basketball Association. Until then, though, I'll be getting myself up to speed by listening to the Low Post podcast and the Hoop Collective podcast, two of the very best pods over here at ESPN. And I hope, and I sincerely hope, that they will be talking about the New York Knicks' decision to hire Tom Thibodeau, former assistant, returns home. What a great hiring that was. I love it. So again, Low Post Podcast, Hoop Collective Podcast, download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on to today's program. As always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Show. in your life on this Monday, July 27, 2020. Hello again, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Helwani presented by our good friends over at Modelo. Modelo Especial. Brood for those with a fighting spirit. That's DC, Daniel Cormier. I'm Helwani, Ariel Helwani, and we got a lot to talk about on today's program. But first, Daniel Cormier, how are you doing today? And may I just say, you look fantastic, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I just woke up. That's not, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit late right now to the party. I just woke up. I, man, I, I, uh, I went to bed on time last night. You know, I've been wearing this. I wear this aura ring now. It monitors my sleep. It monitors oh. how I'm recovering overnight. It monitors everything. Right, the, probably the greatest invention that I've seen in a while. Now. I went to bed on time last night. My phone tells me bedtime's approaching. You need to go lay. Wow. I went to lay. I fell asleep, woke up at four o'clock in the morning. And then once again, the NBA bubble got me. It's like, I'm so like enamored with the bubble that if I wake up, I start watching stuff about the bubble. Uh, Matisse Thybul had a, another blog. JaVale McGee had another blog. So I ended up watching those. So now I'm up from 4 a.m. until 6 a.m. Finally fall back asleep. And uh, didn't get up till 8.45 in a panic because oh I'm gosh. staying at my, my, my old place. So I had to drive over here to do the show. So it was a bit of a, a different morning, but I feel good now. I got some rest. What about that 6.30 road work that you were telling us about last week? See, I didn't do, I didn't do that today. But, you know, I got some sleep, and that's good. That is important. I got some sleep. That's good. By the but way, that about, ring. Like, but how about the fact that it can tell you that? What do you mean? This ring, like, can oh, yeah, 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 stuff, right? Isn't it crazy? Isn't that the same ring that the NBA players are wearing? Yeah, they're using that... it at the NBA now. But right, I, right. I, I got it and I, I put it on my finger at night and it has these little, like, uh, things on the bottom to kind of monitor your heart rate, your heart rate overnight, your resting heart rate, your body temperature, everything. Everything that you're, it, it monitors it all. It monitors the amount of sleep you get. The amount of REM sleep you get, the amount of deep sleep you get, it monitors all that, bro. It's it's truly 
an amazing thing. And I've been wearing it for the last like six, seven weeks now. And it does, it, it's great because it allows me to know when I'm getting good rest. But if I don't sleep good, my mind can start to play tricks on me a little bit. Like, should mm -hmm. I slow down? But I've also got this facility out in Menlo that looks over all my sleep data. And they tell me, you know, like DC it was a very difficult day yesterday. You didn't recover as much last wow. night. So today maybe you should go a little bit lighter to make sure you don't get yourself hurt or anything. It's perfect. It works. It's awesome. It's funny because uh, I was reminiscing about our journey up until this point. I was looking at some of the old shows back in March and April when we just started out. It's, cra <laughs> it's crazy how different you look. Have you looked I, at those shows? No, I haven't. I mean, your face is just dramatically different. Really? Oh, yes. Yes. You've got to be kidding me. Yes. How much you weigh right now? I, I don't know. I think I was like 237. Yeah. What were you then? Ah, I had to be like 260-something pounds. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you look different. You look very it, it different. Does? It, it really? Yes. yes. Now you're, you're starting to look like light heavyweight DC now. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, man, I'm, uh, it's going good. I'm, I'm good. I got some rest. I'm glad that I can get here in a decent enough time to where I only had to talk to you, right? Troy didn't call me. Jake no. didn't call me. Hey, you're late again. You know, like, as long as I'm not getting called by, you know, the other guys, it's okay. Because you're, you're pretty easy to deal with. You're, you're like the vice principal. You're like the assistant principal. So we're like, you know, I'm not getting suspended or expelled. You know, I might get detention and I can deal with detention. Listen, I will always have your back. <laughs> I don't know if it's reciprocated, you know, but I would take a bullet for you. You know that. Oh, I, would, I would jump in front of a, of a, of a runaway train. But in any event, uh, let's talk about things that happened uh, this weekend, okay? Because it was the, uh, the Fight Island finale, at least for now, because we suspect that at some point we're going to have to go back to Fight Island. Not you and I, but, you know, the UFC. Yes, yes. I, can I say something? I yes. want to go to Fight Island. And, and, and honestly. Uh, be, care, be careful what you wish for, my man. You may be going. Wait, not for the fight. I don't want to go to Fight Island for the fight. But in terms of calling the fights at some point, I'd like to go to Fight Island. And also, Ariel, boy, this Fight Island, it turned out to be Stop. everything and more, more than we ever could have expected for Fight Island. I mean, yeah, I'm on the beach. Then they had the safe zone. It was perfect. It was yeah. absolutely perfect. And then the fights lived up to it. That was probably that's the most important factor, right? Like you, you want to talk about the story. You want to talk about well, I wanted the fights actually on the beach and all yep. that. Like, those are the things that matter to you. But the fights lived up, and all those fight cards. I don't think there was one where I left feeling disappointed. Well, I'll I'll say this: July was a great month for the UFC in terms of action. I didn't want fights on the beach. All I was saying was they're not going to be on the beach. I just wanted everyone to you know curb their enthusiasm. That's all. I'm not disappointed by that because I the, I'm the one who knew from the beginning. All you I'm saying is, you know from the beginning. You, you why are you poked, trying to? Here I am trying to set the scene and you for the Fight you Island finale, you. and you try to turn. You you know what's so funny? You say that I'm the instigator, but in reality, you're the instigator. You bring up all the sore subjects each and every week, but you do it in a very lovable and subtle way to get me to go on these rants, and then I get in trouble. I get the phone calls after. You don't get the phone calls. You know what I'm saying? I get the phone calls after. Okay, so stop <laughs> it. Bro, it's a it's a it's a gift that I've had. Yes, it is. I an walked art. in the AKA one time, and Jake Shields was sparring with a guy, and I started going, "Oh, you! This was 2009. Jake Shields was the man. I wasn't very good. Jake Shields is kind of sparring this guy. The guy's doing better than he's expected, and I'm just on the side yapping. By the end of it, I had him in a real fist fight. 
I had him in the real fist fight. They're yelling, having to push one dude out of the gym. The other dude's trying to fight in the gym. And Javier Mendez looked at me and goes, Bob, who is this dude? Like, I literally was like, I was going next to the guy, Matt. And I would go, oh, man, you probably could be the champion because that dude is not that good. Then I would go to Jake, and I was like, Jake, <laughs> this dude was like, I could be the champ. <laughs> it was, it, I did it for like 10 minutes, and it was all it took. It was ruckus. And, I mean, I've, I've, I've honed this gift for years. Yeah. I mean, I got my boxing coaches to fight at uh, one fight. I got them to spar, and I got – Rosendo and Rudy, I manipulated them to the point that they did a three-round boxing match. My two boxing coaches did a three-round boxing match, which I have on video, but you I won. can't show it to anybody. Well, because I almost had, like, an unsanctioned fight. <laughs> I almost had an unsanctioned <laughs> fight, bro. Like, I've done stuff like this for years. I'm con- and, and you're just, like, the new, you're my new target. Hey, you're like that kid in school, the schoolyard, who was like, you know, people say that that was me, but that was never me. I was never that kid. I was all about peace and love and harmony, okay? Oh, I was like Ringo Starr. You're getting bullied by Darla. Yeah. <laughs> Dahlia, okay? Get it right. She'll come after you too. Okay, can I set the scene? Fight Island finale, Robert Whitaker, Darren Till. Before Masvidal was booked against Usman, this was the fight that I was most looking forward to, more so than the other title fights as well. Whitaker coming off that loss to Israel Adesanya, Till doing what he did in his middleweight debut and as popular as he is. In the end, Whitaker wins three rounds to two, 48 to 47, all three judges' scorecards. I agree. I thought they got it right. There were some wonky decisions over the past couple months. I thought they nailed this one, three to two for Robert Whitaker. Did you agree with the judges? And if so, what do you think of the entire fight? Because I thought it was a fantastic one. I thought it was a good fight. You know, I, I love, I love the, the, I love the Darren Till's ability to be in there with the highest of the highest level at middleweight and really make a good. Uh, he showed a good side of himself, but I also like the fact that Robert Whitaker showed a little bit of of. of I don't want to say it's hard to talk about a guy that had the belt for so long mm. and talk about evolution, but he isn't, he didn't look like the same guy that looked lost out in Melbourne. And that's mm. when they, they fought in Melbourne, right? Yeah. Izzy. Yep. Izzy. And, and it, yep. He, he, he was able to mix in more wrestling. Right. And even if he wasn't take scoring the takedowns, he was able to get close and, and get into the clinch with Darren Till without taking damage because that was the issue. That was the issue in his fight with Adesanya was that he was blitzing and rushing in and getting countered. And with Till, Till landed that beautiful elbow early that dropped him. So then he put that in the mental bank and was more aware on his entrances. And it allowed for him to stay safe enough to where he didn't find himself in trouble. Um, and Darren Till, I thought he fought, he, he fought a good fight. But it just looked like he was a, like a little bit of a step behind, right? So instead of taking the action to Rob he was kind of waiting and i think ultimately that's what cost him the beginning of the fifth round he fought much more aggressively and i thought he did well in that round i thought he did well in round one but he just wasn't willing to lead the dance enough and i think ultimately that's what cost him on the judges scorecard so you agree with the judges i do i thought it was yeah. a close fight but i yeah. thought robert Whitaker won the fight um by no means was it like this clear cut Robert Whitaker was just a better fighter it looked like a fight where if those guys fought multiple times either guy could win and that, and that those are the types of fights that that you love uh Till revealed in the post-fight press conference that he blew his knee out early in the fight I think he said the second round and it was uh in his um estimation result from one of those uh side yeah and it's funny because you know in the past people have joked about 
John Jones and even Till has, has talked about it with uh, Wonderboy Thompson saying that, oh, you know, they should be banned, not banned. How do you feel about those? Because there are some people who do believe that they should be banned. Have you ever been hit by one of them? In, yeah, in, yeah. Uh, I, mean, in I fought with, Jones twice, right? Yeah, did, um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's honestly, we're in the hurt business, man. You're mm. in the hurt business, right? You're in there to hurt and finish your opponent. So, you know, you hurt him. <laughs> you hurt him, you know, and, and you don't it, think they're dirty. It's a legal strike. And yeah. honestly, it's, 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 you can defend them. It's, it's not the hardest thing to defend, right? I knew that Jones would do that to my knee, right? I knew that he would kick that side front kick. So I just would lift my leg up. It's almost like checking a kick. If you just lift your foot up off the ground to where all your weight isn't on your front foot, it doesn't get hyperextended. So you just lift your foot and it kicks your knee and your knee kind of just bends back. It's like, it's like almost like checking a kick. So, um, you got to prepare yourself for that. The issue is I was fighting a guy that everyone knew that that was in his arsenal. We haven't seen Robert Whitaker do it a bunch of times. So Darren Till probably didn't prepare himself for that attack. But we're in the hurt business, man. And, um, you know, it's a kick. It, it's legal. You know, it's, it's, it's legal. And, and uh, it is what it is. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it should be. I remember Rampage went off on that a while back saying it yep. should be illegal and but I don't, I don't think, I don't think it should be. What's that feel like when it like actually lands flush? Does that kill? I don't think I've ever had it land flush. That's it's right. Always, That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's always kind of just been like, it's always kind of like my leg just gets kicked back. Right. Because I'm trying to anticipate what's happening. And um, look, I, I feel like when, when, when you're in there, you got to constantly feel like you're in just danger. Just always feel like you're in danger. And if you do that, your senses are so elevated that, a lot of times you can find um, spots to just try to counter those things. And, and when you're not in that moment, you lose fights like I have. So usually after a big fight like that, we talk about what's next for the winner. But mm -hmm. in this case, I actually want to start with what's next for the loser, Darren Till. Because as you said, very close fight. Uh, some people even scored it for him. And I don't think you're crazy if you did that. I, I scored it for Whitaker. But he's still a young fighter, still evolving. Only his second fight at 185. I think he should have moved up to 185 a long time ago. But here you have a situation where he has, you know, he's, he's lost three of four. Mm -hmm. Is it a situation, in your opinion, where the UFC should almost like give him a couple of winnable fights just to build him back up? Or do you not think that's the case with him? Sadly, that's not the business we're in, right? Mm -hmm. That's not boxing. You don't get like, when you're a number six guy in the world, you usually are going to fight somebody else in the top 10. And that's just the business we're in. And the reality is um, he fought the number one contender because he beat Kelvin Gaslam, who was ranked very highly himself. Mm -hmm. So he put himself immediately in the, in the conversation. So now there may, it may be a step back, right? You, he's not going to fight number one again, but I'm sure he'll fight somebody with a, a pretty high number behind, behind their name and or in front of their name. And if he's not, if he is the type of guy that wants to just reinsert himself immediately, the name will be bigger. But if he's a guy that's willing to take that step back, then you put yourself in a completely different situation where you're fighting a guy that may not have the accolades and that may not have the resume that you have. So say he gets number 12. Who's number 12? What if number 12 is a young guy that mm. is actually going like this, right? You don't want to find, you don't want to be the guy that's considered uh, the bounce back fight. You don't want to be the guy that can, the, the gatekeeper, like some people call it. So um, it's very difficult situation for Darren right now because you don't want to go up necessarily because like you said, he's lost three or four. 
and, and up there is Joel Romero and, and, and Robert Whitaker and those guys. And if you go back, because think about this. What if Edmund Shabazian wins? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be the guy that fights <clears throat> Edmund Shabazian? Well, it's funny you say that. Way into the top 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, would On you Saturday, I was asked who should Darren Till fight next. And I said the winner of Edmund Shabazian versus Derek Brunson. Yeah, but that makes, see, that makes, that, that makes it a, that situation I'm talking about, right? You've lost three or four. Right. You're the guy that was number six in the world, just lost to the number one contender. You may fight a guy in, if Shabazian wins, who's number 10 now, but he's mm. rolling, right? He's rolling. He's the young, hot thing. When you were once that. Now you're going back trying to reset while this kid's freaking storming downhill. How do you take that in terms of your ego? Like, am I just the guy that's supposed to propel this kid to the next level? Because that's what the public's going to see, right? A name that well, they know. Well, yeah, you could either sell it two ways, though, right? You could say, okay, Till gets a chance to bounce back against a blazing hot Edmund Shabazian and stop the hype train, or Shabazian gets a name like Darren Till on his record. It, absolutely but it's a, but then that's what i'm saying right like you end up it's a very tough situation because he's so highly regarded and he's so highly ranked you don't just get some random person i think those times where you got ranked fighters fighting guys that just weren't um ranked or experienced those times are passing because now as we get further into the pandemic and they understand how to make the matchups they want to make work they're just matching you up correctly Right before we saw, um, it was the kid at 125 that fought. Uh, he fought Tim Elliott when he made his UFC debut. That doesn't normally happen, right? right? I called that fight. That doesn't normally happen. A guy taking a fight on short notice is fighting the number five, guy, eight guy in the world. Well, it happened because we're in the midst of a pandemic. They wanted to keep Tim Elliott on the show. This kid was making his debut. That guy generally would not get that opportunity. They would match Tim Elliott up with someone else that was ranked. And I think. Those are the types of matchups that are we going to see again. And because of that, Darren's going to get another top 10, top 12 guy. So you don't like my Shabazian-Brunson angle? I, I think it's a great fight. Neither well, one. Maybe, maybe Romero Hall, the winner of that fight. But again, dude, you, you see. But well, he's got to fight someone. What do you mean? No, you no, I'm, no, but no, do you understand what I'm like? You yeah, said, I understand what you're saying, but there's no one. Does, do they think about it? Young guy that has all this right. potential. People love him. Do they give him winnable fights? Well, you look well, at those aren't winnable boys. fights. I'm, I agree with you. There's no way to run like, at this point. You could, he doesn't you, want that. No, no, of course. But I'm saying like all these fights, Uriah Hall, Uriel Romero, uh, Derek Martin, and yeah. Edmund Shabazian, they're all fights that he could potentially win. I'm not saying Darren Till can't beat these guys. But this is not what you think about in terms of other sports when you think of reset. But because he's so highly ranked, that's the type of opponent he's going to end up getting. Oh, so I get it. So you don't have faith in Darren Till. You think he can't beat those guys? No, I think he can. But when you say, but when you say, when you say, like, do you, you think, think he's overrated? You think he's one of these like UK you're guys? You'll, you'll never. <laughs> he do got pushed too you'll fast. Never, you'll never do to me what I do to you. But what I'm saying fast. is, what I'm trying to say is, it's like it's hard in, in mixed martial arts when you're that highly regarded and highly ranked that you go so far back that the fighter across the octagon from you isn't like a truly super dangerous guy. And I hear you. When you list those four guys, they're all super dangerous uh, for anyone in the world, not just Derek. Right. So what about Robert Whitaker? First of all, really happy to see Robert Whitaker in good spirits. You know, he talked about feeling burnt out. He's talked about feeling depressed. 
loses the belt. Sometimes you lose the belt. You come back. You could be a shell of your former self. He was not that. He looked great. I agree with you. He looked great. He mixed it up. Um, he learned from the mistake that happened in the first round. I mean, it was just a great performance, and it seemed like he was just so happy afterwards. Like, he was really comfortable being the man. For me, it's got to be Whitaker versus Jack Hermanson next. Hermanson beat Kelvin Gastelum. He actually predicted all of this. He, he said that Whitaker would beat Darren Till and that they would fight for the number one contender spot. I saw some people saying Whitaker should fight the winner of Izzy versus Paulo Costa. You can't I don't even that want back. that yet. I don't even really want him to fight for the belt again. because No, it's too soon. And, and for as good as he looked early in the fight, he got hurt by Darren Till in order to make that adjustment. That's the same thing that happened with Adesanya. He was kind of darting in there and getting countered. And I just think that, man, Edisonia is a very difficult matchup for Rob. Jack Hermanson, that works. What about Darren Till saying that he thinks that Israel Adesanya is an easier fight for him than Robert Whitaker because Izzy just has one style. He's striking. He doesn't mix it up as much. I think some people would hear that and be like, that's a crazy statement. You're saying that the champion is an easier matchup for you than the guy who just beat you. But do you understand what he's saying when he says that? He said that in the post-fight press conference. I do. Styles make fights. Right. right, Styles make fights, and he understands that he's fighting a striker. And guess what else? The champ recognizes it too because he said it himself. I still want to fight Darren. The striking mm-hmm. is beautiful. He understands that if he fights Darren Till, it's a striking fight. And those are the types of events that he wants to be involved in. So, yeah, I think, I think because Izzy's not trying to take him down and he doesn't have to respect that part of the game, it might be a better matchup for Darren Till. But Darren Till is still as dangerous as anybody in the world. I, I want to state that yeah. for a fact. He just has fought the best of the very best. I mean, you can make a case that that performance is actually more impressive than the Gaslam fight, a fight that he won. You know, he's dropping Whitaker and all that stuff. He, and he, let's not uh, talk like Darren Till has fought scrubs, right? I, who's talking that? With, I'm, not no, talking I'm just that. saying, like, I'm saying for the world, right? When right, people right, right. Going, oh, this guy maybe. Hey, Darren Till lost a title fight. Hmm. Darren Till lost to Ori Masvidal, who – two weeks ago, you know, was the, the bell of the ball. Mm-hmm. And then he just lost to Robert Whitaker. So in those three fights, he has lost to three of the absolute best fighters in the entire world. So people need to go, you know, you know, if, if you're one of the people that wants to try to write off there until you're out of your mind. One of my favorite parts of this whole moments of this whole pandemic era of MMA Darren Till is one of the best walkouts in this sport, Sweet Caroline, and he chooses to come out to no music because he says, Sweet Caroline is for the fans. Yeah. The fans can't be there. I'm coming out to nothing. That silence was deafening. That was a really cool moment. I don't know why I liked it so much, but mm-hmm. it was just a really thoughtful, nice moment from Darren Till, who has connected with the fans. You know, in, in my opinion, he's, he's come out looking as one of the best fighters in the sport in the midst of this time because of his social media and, mm-hmm. and the way he laughs at himself and, you know, stirs the pot and whatnot. Maybe Mike Perry would disagree, but for the most part, I think we all uh, find some humor in his tweets. I, I really like that moment. You know, for me, it spoke to, you know, like like you said, the development of Darren Till overall as a person and his, what he, certain people have grown through this pandemic, which sounds crazy, but Darren Till's one of those guys. But I do understand that Sweet Caroline is for the fans because I was in Dallas when he fought Tyron Woodley. And when that, like the people went crazy like they went and that's in dallas let alone in liverpool right they they went insane and and that's kind of a way for him to connect with the fans and you see him engaging with them 
as he goes to the octagon and that's play. Remember when he fought at home and yeah. they played that song? I mean, it was like a soccer match. So I, I, I loved it. I loved it. And honestly, man, you know, it could mean, it could mean some, something on so many different levels, you know, like this, this, mm-hmm. we're going to take this walk together. And I think that's what Darren Till did. And I appreciate it. It's actually a um, football match, not soccer. They call it football. Yeah, man, let me tell you yeah. something. I'm American. Yeah, in America, right. football belongs to us. Football, just, football belongs to the Europeans. Football. <laughs> I mean, it's actually more accurate to call it football considering what they do in the sport, but we won't Shut up, Ariel. <clears throat> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know because earlier today I, I tweeted European soccer. I was talking about something else and everyone got mad at me. I was like, it's not really the point right now, guys. Okay, can it's you just soccer. chill out? Yeah, it's soccer here. There we go. Um, in any event, we got a lot more to discuss, but first you see uh, TST is uh, reminding me because we have three ads today on the show. Oh, I feel I like mean, this is, is this a byproduct of our success that we have so many ads? Like it's almost like more ads on this show than actual content. Is that a byproduct of us doing something right? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Can we talk about Alexander Gustafson here for a second? What happened there in his heavyweight debut? Gets submitted by Fabricio Verdum in what could be Verdum's final UFC fight. Gustafson just, I don't know, did, did he just get outclassed by a better grappler? Was it just as simple as that? Well, you don't want to, look, you don't want to be on the ground with Fabricio Verdum, especially early, right? You don't want him to, you don't want him to get those takedowns and control you. Early in the fight, I mean, they were they weren't sweaty. Once he got once he got him into that position, that collar tie, because Verdum does this as good as anybody I've ever seen. Right, he gets your back, goes over under under the arm on this side, over the shoulder on that side. Right, so he's on your back, but you could see it from a mile away that he's setting up his armbar. And once he drops you, he drops you back into the pocket, steps his leg over and puts you in that position. I knew Alexander was in trouble. I, I've seen him do that numerous times in the training room i've seen him do it in matches and fights and i knew he was in trouble and you just cannot engage with guys that are that good on the ground unless you're at that level because if you think about it verdum had olenic he had olenic in the arm bar too you, you remember in their fight yeah he had him in the same exact position but alexi olenic is such a fantastic grappler he was able to get through it and then as he got more sweaty verdum didn't get him back to those positions you cannot play that game with a guy that's so good in that grappling realm, Fabricio Verdum is uh, it was it was massive. And you know what, man? If it is his last fight, it was a great way for him to go out because mm-hmm. the memories of Fabricio Verdum, you don't want them to be of him having a performance like he had against Olenek, which is to be expected considering he was gone so long from the octagon. Yeah, he was gone for two years at that point. He was out of shape. Looked much better in this fight. Looked like hey, his old dude. self. I think he's done. Um, you know, he's, he's not seen eye to eye with UFC brass for quite some time. Obviously, no real hard feelings outwardly. He was emotional afterwards, gave props, gave thanks and all that stuff. But I think he wants to go elsewhere. I think he didn't like the way the whole USADA situation was handled. The fact that he asked for his release and was not granted it. 
I would love to see Verdum fight Ryan Bader for the Bellator heavyweight title. Do you have any interest in this fight? I think that would be a great fight. It's a dangerous fight for Bader, too, because yeah. it takes away the thing that has allowed him to control the vast majority of his opponents. Right? He can't just go take down Fabricio Verdum. But if Fabricio Verdum goes to Bellator and becomes a champion, we got to start considering him in the conversation oh, yeah. for greatest heavyweights of all time. I mean, the thing is that, he not in that conversation already? Yeah, conversation. but not, he, not there, but in, but the, in conversation. the conversation. He's one of the best. He's one of the best. He's obviously one of the top five, six heavyweights of all time. But if he goes and wins another championship for all that he's done, he's got to be real short list of guys. I mean, strike force, he'd beat uh, Fedor. He beat a ton of other guys. The UFC, he became the champion. Mm-hmm. He goes and becomes the champion in another organization. People need to start his resume, man. Some of the names he has on his resume, it's, it's, it's very impressive. It was very impressive. I was disappointed with one thing. I wanted him to show up at the post-fight press conference and say, I want the easiest guy in the division. I want the easiest <laughs> guy in the division. Yeah, I, want, I said, give me Ryan Bader. Oh, I want the my easiest goodness. You guy that? in the division. Oh, yeah, that was great. I bet, I bet there's, by the way, I bet there's a bunch of people who have no idea what I'm talking about and who think I'm making fun of Ryan Bader right now. It was a long time ago. Like, you it remember was. that? Yeah, long oh, time, different age. I mean, too. Bader comes into the press conference. Bader was like, man, I want this. Bader wanted his title shot. Because we were scheduled to fight before mm-hmm. I fought Rumble Johnson. And so Beta was like, no, I'm supposed to fight this guy next. And, you know, I always considered him just a payday. You, know? <laughs> you guys were bad. supposed to fight in New Orleans, remember? We were supposed to fight in New Orleans, bro. Yeah, we went on a press tour and everything. and it just, You never got that chance. And they put that 13. I got that gold belt. You know, I, I would love to fight in New Orleans. But getting that gold belt meant much more to me, so. I pulled out of that fight. August 16th, they're going to offer you a fight at the Smoothie King Center, and you'll be like, all right, one more. Let's go. All right, they're going to be like, DC, Smoothie King Center, commentate the fights. I'm in. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in. I'm in. Smoothie King Center. Um, So he might be done, but a great win for him. Now, what what about uh, Gus? Do you feel like he should go back to 205? He says he's not done. Would you like to see him stick around at, at heavyweight? There was great intrigue in how he would look. I think he weighed in off the top of my head at 240. What do you think? Do you think he sticks around at heavyweight or would you suggest he goes down to 205? Look, I think for him, he needs to stay up, right? Because what's down there? A guy that he's lost to twice. So Mm -hmm. what is the ceiling for him at 205 right now? You know, he lost a heavyweight fight. He should stay up at heavyweight and just try to get back in there quickly because he took no damage, right? He took no damage. He still looked pretty good on his feet. He looked fast. He looked, you know, he looked the same, but he got caught into a grappling match with one of the best heavyweight grapplers of all time. So I think he should take his time and, and, and get back in there at heavyweight though. Don't go back to a division that the champion is a guy that you've lost to twice. So there really is no, no end game there, but I I would try to fight again and I would try to fight again relatively quick if I was him. Mm, All right. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Now let's transition to his teammate over at Mm -hmm. all stars in Sweden. Hamzat, Chemaev, Hamzat Mania is running wild, DC. I mean, this guy has just burst onto the scene. Maybe the star of Fight Island, two victories in 10 days. Well, I mean, you can make a case for like, you know, a Figueredo, an Usman, you know, a champion, but, uh, you know, okay, guy wins twice on Fight Island in 10 days. Um, That's a record. 
68, I believe it was, significant strikes to none. Reese McKee did not throw or land a single punch. <laughs> absolute mauling. This guy is unbelievable. This time, by the way, he fights at 170. His debut against John Phillips, you know, 10 days prior was at 185. Looks great at 170. Has the confidence of Habib. Talks smack like Habib. And the thing about him is, and maybe it's something that Habib didn't have early on, He's a finisher. Like, he goes for the finish. He's not like one of these, you know, wrestlers who just wants to lay on you. He is going to kill you. He is going to maul you <laughs> like a wolf. I am so impressed with Hamza Chemaev. I cannot say enough good things about him. And, and here's what I'll say right now, DC. He is a blessing and a curse for the UFC because he is so good and is a future title contender, no doubt. But they're going to have a hard time now finding opponents for him, right? Like, if you're a top 10, top 15 guy, why in the world did the did, did, uh, Tiago, just give you your coffee. Is no, that no, 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 no. It's good. It's in the good. midst of my coronation, no, no, I'm, 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 what I'm just happened? I'm letting you. I'm letting you do it. What is happening in the? <laughs> <laughs> I'm letting. You, I'm letting you just finish. Look, I, I'm. I'm just listening because I don't think there's a guy. Yeah. I don't think there's a guy that can put over Hamzat Shemaev as as good as you. No, I know. I, I we're, we're we're very close on social media and whatnot. Yeah. We're very tight. Um, listen, I think he could beat everyone. I think he could be – I think the UFC has, has trouble. And I think right now, you put him in there. Call me crazy. You put him don't, in there against a top no, wait, wait, Don't say nothing crazy. Top don't five. Say, don't say nothing crazy, Ariel. Wait, stop. Take a breath. Take a breath. I think he wins. Ariel, How take a that? breath. I Ariel. think he wins. Ariel, take a yeah. breath. You don't want to go and say something crazy now. I think he wins. Against that crazy? in the top five? Yes. Could you tell me the top five? Right now? Yeah, could you tell stands? me the top five? As it stands, the okay, top five. Yes, here we go. The top five in the UFC's welterweight division, according to their rankings. We all know they're faulty, but for these uh, circumstances, we'll go with their top five. Champion Kamaru, so he doesn't really count right now. Doesn't count. Uh, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, Leon Edwards, number three, four, Jorge Masvidal, number five, Tyron Woodley. And just for the sake of it, Number six, Stephen Thompson. Number seven, Damian Maya. Number eight, Michael Chiesa. Number nine, RDA. Number 10, Jeff Neal. Now, for the record, ESPN.com asked me on Saturday who you should fight next. I said the winner of the Jeff Neal, Neal Magny fight, which has been booked for August. So you got number 10, Jeff Neal, going up against Neal Magny, who's number 14. But I was tempted to put him in there against one of those top five guys. Mm. Crazy? Okay, have off, I bought into the hype? You have. I'm <laughs> I love him. I think he's aggressive. And, brother, tell me, I'll fight anybody, brother. Like, I mean, brother. I'll smash them. Give me one hour, brother. I swear <laughs> you guys. Sounds exactly like Habib, right? Everybody know these guys not my level, brother. Like, brother, this is. This, <laughs> Why do they all say brother so much? They, 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 all they, the Russian they, guys. Dan Hardy said something and he goes, brother, these guys not my level. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like, brother, I don't know what to say. But this guy, I smashed these guys. This is this. Brother, I'm different level. Hey, remember when Habib said that? I, I fight these guys both tonight. Give me one hour rest, one break. I go beat the next guy. Like, these <laughs> Russian dudes are crazy. I love him. I love him. I love everything about Hamzat Shemaev. I love his aggressiveness. Yo, you would not believe what just happened. What happened? My hat, which is a snapback. Just opened itself up. Wow. My, head, my head is strong is it right now. Because you're sweating so much? No, no, my head is strong. Like my barber tells me that whenever he cuts my hair, when I used to get haircuts, he yeah. could tell I was in shape because my cauliflower ear felt stronger. <laughs> so ridiculous. That happens? That is not true, dude. He was just oh, okay. <laughs> but back to Hamza Shemaya. 
I love yes, everything yes. about him, bro. I think he's – I think the way he attacked that kid last Saturday – because that kid was supposed to be good. That kid's mm-hmm. not just some scrub, right? That, that kid, if he fought someone else on Saturday, he would have been the bright, shining prospect yeah. going into the fight. But instead, he went in there as a plus 600 underdog against this Shamaya. He's, he's insane. And he finds finishes because he's so aggressive and because he must have a real belief in his cardio to throw as many strikes as he throws so quickly. I like it. So, so what about who's next? Like, because you have a real problem on your hands here. You can't, and, and Dana actually mentioned, I think he told John Morgan of MMA junkie that they're trying to get him to fight on August 15th on your card. I, I don't know that. how they're going to get him into the country. I mean, at this point, I, I won't question them anymore about there that. Are, there, there are exceptions, exceptions. <laughs> what Hamzad is the exception. <laughs> Wait, there are exceptions for, uh, what's it called? Um, where your necessity. Necessary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is essential, 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 essential workers or, and pro athletes. There are, there are exceptions now to yep. get into the country. And I would love for Hamzat Yodena, get Hamzat Shemaev on the fight card for August 15th. I'm asking. It's me asking, boss. Get him on the fight card, please. Come on, man. This dude is, he's must-see TV at this point. And uh, I think he's a star in the making. And I, like I told you last week, I told you more and more guys are going to come from that region and they're going to capture your imagination, right? Because the accent... The English isn't perfect, but it's good enough to where you can understand. And and when Hamjat Samayev says stuff like, this guy's not on my level and, and, and this is easy, you know for a fact he doesn't even realize that people can see it as an insult. Mm. It's the, he, doesn't see, he doesn't see it like that. He's just kind of talking like with his, with, his, with his confidence and his belief. It's not – it's just that whole thing, man. I love everything about the kid. Um, when you talk about – how quickly you want to advance him. I would give him one more fight with a guy that isn't uh, ranked. Because again, like same thing I talked about with Darren Till, right? Once he's up there, it's only those guys, Mm. right? So right now you have the ability to play with the matchups. You have the ability to get him guys that may be predominantly strikers or may be predominantly grapplers. Once you get up into that upper echelon, you don't have that ability anymore, and everybody's going to be as dangerous as anyone you fight. So I would, I would put him in there with another guy that um, – prospect, up-and-coming guy, maybe a guy that has some a, – a bit of a name but isn't, you know, necessarily now. Okay, I'm not saying that they're going to do it because I can't imagine any of those top five, top ten guys agreeing to fight him, but do you not agree that he could beat them? I'm not saying it's going to happen. None of them would agree to it. But he could. He's good enough right now. Certain certain matchups, certain guys, yes, in the top ten. If you can't wrestle, you're screwed against that dude. Mm. If you can't wrestle, you're screwed against Hamjat Samayo. You're what absolutely you most about him, about what he does. Like that takedown against McKee, the first. I mean, it was just like a thing of beauty. He just shot on him. Like yeah. even like he didn't, he doesn't wait. He doesn't play. He doesn't feel out the range. Even Habib, right? You watch Habib now. Mm. Habib moves. How people throw some jabs and punches, and then he changes levels, right? It's all disguised. This Hamzat Shemaev doesn't even care. He just goes after you like he's a dog that was just held on a leash for the last six months, and he gets to go eat right now. So um, it's his power, but also his control. His control. And look, everybody's calling it the, the, the Dagestani wrist tie. That's what they're calling the, the, the it. The handcuffs. 
The handcuffs. Bro, let me tell you something. It's, it's, it's an old wrestling thing, right, where you catch the forearm and you pull in the elbow, right? So when, you, when they're holding the elbow, it's like you're just kind of keeping them stuck on that side. And then your outside hand is free to punch. Habib does it. It's great. Everybody does it. I mean, if you watch Kane from years past, Kane did that. That's his same tie, right? And then you get into a, uh, uh, a KC control, a knee control, where your knees are keeping his feet together, and you just roll them. Here's why Hamzat Shemaev is so dangerous in this position. He's long, right? Habib is big. He's a big guy, but he's not abnormally long. He doesn't have crazy long arms. So when he's grabbing that wrist, he has to work to go and get that wrist and pull it in. Shemaev is so long that the moment you try to post up on your elbow to get up, he can reach and grab that far side wrist, and then he just goes to work. I love his top control. Mm. Um, so right now they're, they're obviously into him. They obviously want to push him. I'm just curious, uh, cause you made the comparison and, and you know, I can understand if you haven't, but do you know what Habib thinks of him? Do you know how I he haven't, feels? Haven't, yeah. you see, so we're talking about things that aren't necessarily, yeah, uh, of that, but we're not, and you know, what's crazy about the times I'm talking to Habib. It's not even, uh, we haven't really been talking. We talk about family yeah, and yeah. he wants to know what I weigh and how I'm training. That's it. You know, like just like me, see? Yeah, he's a good guy, right? And we're just kind of talking about those types of things right now. And and uh, I haven't asked him about Hamzat Shemaev, but I will. I will and have an update by next week. But Hamzat Shemaev uh, from Chechnya, which is yes. in that same region yep. uh, where Habib is from. Uh, I can't wait to see who they book him against next. Now the secret you know, is out. I want a name, no. I want to give me a name that's like maybe. I said. Jeff Neal, Neil Magny. Why no, not? That's too, that's, again, I don't want him in the top 15 yet. I want oh. him. I know he can compete with those guys, but I'm saying, give me a name. Who's Vicente the, Luque? No, no. Another. Yo, if, is Vicente Luque not ranked? No, he is. He's 12. I was about to say, that's crazy because that. What dude, about, what about Hamzad against Damian Maya? He would never again, do it. He would never it, do it, but wouldn't it be fun? It, yeah, but then, again, top seven guy. Now he's stuck in the top ten because what if it doesn't go his way? Yeah, so you take that's him back. You, 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 you but then you can't – but like I said, you – but that's how I – God, you just don't pay attention to me. It's right here. It's, it's right here. It's actually okay, – I got a good one. What about Hamza – no joke, versus Todd Duffy? He always – shut up with the Todd Duffy thing. You, <laughs> do you, you're almost like – Todd Duffy's a big guy, and you're disrespecting him, so leave Todd Duffy alone. I might not be able to protect you from Todd. But no. <laughs> bro. <laughs> I have no beef with Todd Duffy. Well, you keep putting him in there with Hamzat Shemayev like he's – John Vellante? John Vellante more of a light heavyweight, <laughs> if we're being honest. You know, no, John's a heavyweight. Um, he just, he's on paternity leave. <laughs> shut up, man. <laughs> Dude, you're bad. You're so bad. Um. Come on, man. Tell me some welterweights, like some real welterweights that, that have a name that aren't mm. ranked. That's what I want. And I got, you got me going through the whole roster. Okay, how about this? I'm going to read the next ad, and you think about uh, – right, you know, we've got up. like 45 here, and you look it up. You look up the roster, okay? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
All right, here, here you go. I found a couple. Yes. All right. Gunnar Nelson. That's a name people would recognize. Yeah, it's or, not bad. Listen. Or Donald Cerrone. That's a name people would recognize. And Hamzat Shemaya fights them, either of those two. They're between the 18 and 20 range, right? Because I'm looking at the worldwide world yep. tour rankings. Yep. They're in the 18 and 20 range, and they're both names that people recognize because you go beat Gunnar Nelson in the fashion that you've been beating these dudes. Now, all the up, the upper and higher ranked guys are more open to uh, saying yes to a fight. That's, That's what bad. I want. All right. That's what I um, think. I want to ask you about recognizable. I want to ask you about this uh, Herb Dean, Francisco Trinaldo, mm. Jai Herbert, Dan Hardy situation. So we have this situation where Herbert's actually doing well, gets knocked down, in my opinion, is clearly out, takes probably four unnecessary punches while he's out. Uh, Trinaldo, for a brief second there, is like, I don't want to keep doing this, but Herb doesn't stop the fight. Hardy's on the broadcast yelling, stop the fight. In the end, he stops the fight after the four unnecessary punches. Uh, it's very clear that Trinaldo won. It's very clear that Herbo was out. And there's even a bit of a, like, I don't want to call it an altercation, but like a, a, a moment there where Hardy and Dean are talking to each other. And afterwards, Herb Dean goes on his Instagram and says, like, I heard someone saying stop the fight, but that's very dangerous in this enclosed environment when someone who has nothing to do with, you know, regulation and uh, the corners and whatnot is screaming this because I could think that someone is telling me to stop the fight when in reality, it's just a broadcaster. What did you make of that whole situation starting from Herb's reluctance to stop it when he probably should have and even the aftermath with, with Dan Hardy as well as commentator? Well, you know, you went to the, uh, it started earlier in the night, right? It started, I think, was it Tanner Bowser's fight where the guy kind of cowered down and they didn't stop the fight. Yes, yes, that yes. one was like, wasn't it, as bad, though. It wasn't as bad, right. but it kind of started the oh, you know, this fight should have been stopped. You know, the guy was, you know, in a defensive position, not really uh, uh, fighting back. And then this one happens: Ronaldo and the guys fighting. Herbert's fighting great, winning the fight. Ronaldo lands a big left hook over the top, hits him on the head. Delayed reaction. Guy falls back. Goes into a shell, right? He was almost like this, and then he was in a shell. Like he was like uh, mm-hmm. stiff. Well, but then eight. So if you do that, right? Yeah. If you do that, if you go ah uh, to here, what is that saying? You're done. Yes, but it's saying that you're aware that something's mm-hmm. coming, and you're covering up, right? Right. I mean, yes, but you're really done. You're not really defending. No, no, no. Properly. I'm not. Let's, let me make my point. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to say like you when you tell me that he reacted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To ah, it tells me that some part of him was still there, enough to know that he was going to get hit again, right? When I saw it, it looked like he was just out, like he was just done, and I was like, oh, he could have stopped the fight. Dan cares, really. Dan Hardy cares. And Dan Hardy probably saw the fight earlier and was like, man, that probably could have been stopped a little bit early. He might have said it on the broadcast. And then to see that one, he got upset. And when we're calling the fights, I mean, there are a number of times we're like, stop the fight. You know, like we spoke about stopping the fight in this the Anthony Smith fight for 15 minutes when Glover Teixeira was beating him up. So it's it's a matter of knowing that it's not our job, but Dan, again, Dan Hardy cares. 
and he's a fighter. And what always made us so uh, attached to Dan was he was a bit of a rebel, right? He was a bit of a rebel. And I was happy that he stood up for the fighter because it, you don't see that very often because I always talk about officials, man. When people make mistakes in those positions, they kind of move on to the next thing, right? It's just another fight between two guys. And uh, it seemed like Dan was holding him accountable. I do think Herb Dean was smart. He went out ahead of it because a lot of a lot of officials, like even with the Dominic Cruz and the uh, Keith Peterson thing, Keith Peterson just didn't say anything. Yeah. So Dominic was making his case while nothing was getting said on the backside. So it was it's easier to side with the person that's talking. Herb Dean is such a big character and a big part of fighting now. He feels like he can go in and and give his side of the story. Um, but I think he was being a little bit. I think Herb was being smart in the sense that he was trying to say Dan had no place to do that, and it's dangerous. When in reality, the fight should have probably been stopped. I understand why Herb was upset afterwards hearing that, and the the back and forth wasn't a good look. Um, I think as a commentator, you can say your piece, but then like to be openly talking with the referee like that is is not a good look, although it's a byproduct of these weird times, right? Like, well, he North cares. Dan, but Dan Hardy cares. No, no, like, no, no I'm not saying it. Dan did it. Bad. I don't. Th- I don't think Dan did anything wrong. I mean, he was right. It was a late stoppage. Yeah. He's 100 percent right. I, I I think Herb dropped the ball on that one. I saw his uh, his explanation afterwards, and I didn't agree with it. Who the hell am I? You could say, you know, you have no space to say any of this. It was. A, fine. But it was almost like it was almost like watching. Honestly, it was like I like and I like Herb. It was almost like watching a politician, right? Like, oh, you, you defer. Like, you, it, it went from because he was talking about it, and he barely, he rarely talked about the stoppage. He talked no, about the thing outside of it. Yeah. Like, so everybody was mad about the stoppage. Yeah. But in his explanation, he spoke about it wasn't Dan's position to yell, stop the fight. At the end of the day, like, the Dan thing is just a, a silly byproduct of all of this. Let's talk about the fact that you made the guy take four unnecessary punches, right? Like that's really the bottom line. That's the here. problem. And when you have a fighter who's standing there and is like, yo, you really want me to do this? But like, that's what mean? makes it worse, right? Yeah. And all those reaction makes it to where you're like, stop the fight. We've seen that before. Even yeah. when Justin Gaethje was finishing Cowboy Cerrone and he's standing over him like, what are you doing to the ref before he hits him again, right? It's on the fighters. But the reality is we as fighters aren't obligated to know when the fight stops. You saw when I... When I knocked out Stipe Miocic, I punched him in the face as many times as I could until they stopped me. No, that's I'm not going to look at the referee and go, am I supposed to keep hitting him? Sure. You know, so it's like you just keep fighting. But, yeah, I thought it was a little late, man. You always know that it's late when you have a situation when there's adrenaline, momentum, and even the fighter in that case, like even Masvidal got ripped for the punches on Askren, but I get it. You know, it, it, there's so much involved. It's easy for me sitting on my couch to be like, oh, you should stop punching. There's just so much there in your case too. But I remember Brian Stan in Alessio Sakara's guard and he was punching him in Sweden. He's like, yo, I'm done. Or even Joe Lozon five years ago yesterday against Takenori Gomi. He's like, I'm done. So when you when you get to the point where the fighter even recognizes that- and all that moment, yeah, and that, with, all yeah. That, with all that adrenaline and momentum, that's going through them like you're so locked in when you're in the octagon that if you can stop for a second and go this is enough that's crazy how can the ref not see that i know so that was a weird call um and unfortunately but you know what though man i i I know i heard that there was an investigation into the situation i hope in the investigation it's centered around the stoppage and not those guys arguing because people argue 
And also, that's just a weird byproduct of the times that we're living in. It's if 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 we're in a fifteen thousand seat arena, there's no way he even hears Dan. So, Bro, let me tell you something. There's got to be ways that these dudes hear stuff in the octagon. They got to oh, stop the fight all the time. If somebody's getting beat bad, you got to hear stop the fight like yeah. all the time. Like, and I would think honestly, it's harder to decipher when there is all these people because you don't know. In that, in, if you're in that arena that's full of people, you don't know if it's a fan yelling stop the fight, if it's the corner yelling stop the fight, the physician. I think it's easier today to hear it so clearly you kind of know where it's coming from. You, you could probably hear it from that side of the octagon. Otherwise, how would they have known when I was calling the fights everything I was saying so clearly? They knew where it was coming from, mm. right? You know where it's coming from. And, and, you know, when Herb said somebody yelled stop the fight, he knew who did it. It wasn't... Listen, we don't need to be coy. Like, that's the thing. Like, just Dan Hardy yelled, stop the fight. He shouldn't have yelled, stop the fight. That's it. Dan Hardy went in your face and pointed and told you you should have stopped the fight. Shouldn't have did that. Say it. To, just say that. Just say he shouldn't have done that. And then you get to the bottom of it. But Dan Hardy cares. And he cares about fighters. And he understands by being a fighter that that was late and that dude could have took unnecessary damage. That's it. I, I, I side with Dan Hardy. You know, and I, I don't think... And I stand with him in terms of, you know, I'm a commentator. And, and I don't know if I would have reacted as animated as Dan in that situation. But he is who he is. <coughs> we only have like uh, seven minutes left, unfortunately, because um, one of us was a little late today. We would have had 17, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, I want to rifle through a few things because we got a lot more to go. We only got seven minutes. I don't know how we're going to get through this. Are you going to pay for the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. fight that was announced for September? Uh, Rumor has it $65, eight round exhibition match, no knockdowns and all this stuff. I don't know how they're going to enforce all this with Mike Tyson. Talk about a caged animal. Are you going to buy this? Yes, I'm buying it. And it's over. Like it's, it's you already bought it. (laughs) I saw the first promo and Mike's already crying. Like he can't eat. He's like, you, you think you, Mike? Mike's like he's crazy. Mike's like you think like you want to go in there. You know how he starts sounding like he's gonna cry because he's like so worked up about everything. It's like this isn't the lovable Uncle Mike that we've been seeing. When you go into the ring with Mike Tyson, it's dangerous. And Mike Tyson is going to try to take Roy Jones's head off. I don't know. They're calling it an exhibition. Like how do you how do you keep these dudes from trying to take each other's head off? And Roy Jones might be able to play around a little bit and touch bar. I don't believe Mike Tyson has that ability. He's going to try to knock him out. And you can watch the promo and watch Mike Tyson talk about the fight and how his voice is starting to crack. And you can see he's going back to who he was, the man that we love, that killer. I'm I'm definitely buying it. I'm buying it here. I'm buying it on two TVs. I'm watching it in every room of my house. I'm going to purchase the pay-per-view on YouTube TV, I'm gonna purchase it on Direct TV. I'm purchasing the, I'm purchasing that pay per view, and I'm paying double for it. I'm locked in. versus fifty one. That doesn't uh, matter. It's Tyson's Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson. Y'all must have forgot. If they don't call it Tyson versus RJJ colon, y'all must have forgot. Someone dropped the ball. Now let me. You're ask You're welcome you. again. Yeah. You're yeah. welcome as That's a third right. one because I I definitely created the NBA bubble. I know I created the NBA bubble, and you, you created, created the charter flights. Yep, to Abu Dhabi. So, and uh, now you, you, you got this one. And we got you the WWE change, too. You changed, yeah, WWE. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so that's you're right. welcome. So much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, we were supposed to get Irene Aldana against Holly Holm this weekend main event. It's not happening because Aldana tested positive, but we are getting Edmund Shabazian versus mm-hmm. Derek Brunson. We also are getting Joanne Calderwood versus Jan- Jennifer Maya. Joanne Calderwood was going to fight for the title, and she said, you know what? I'm going to take this fight. Big mistake, or you understand why she did it? <laughs> 
I understand, man. We're in a time where people aren't making money. People mm. aren't working, right? And Joanne Calderwood has an opportunity to work. Good for JoJo. It's good that she's taking the fight, staying active. Hopefully by the time the champion is back, if she wins, she just is a much more viable contender uh, to that title. Because right now, it doesn't look like anybody can beat Valentina. So maybe JoJo can have such a fantastic performance that it starts to build some intrigue into the title fight. There are some rumblings that Cody Garbrandt's going to fight Davison Figueredo for the flyweight title. Are you in or are you out? I'm in. I love it. I love it. Of um, you are. When you look at 125, when you look at, well, when you look at 125, you don't see a guy that just pops out, right? He's talking to Brandon Moreno. And I love yeah. Brandon Moreno, but, you know, that's not the thing that's going to shine the cast of light on 125 like you want. So by beating Joe Benavidez, who's been around forever, and then fighting Cody Garbrandt, it will allow for this division, which is now staying forever, to kind of get a little bit of that spotlight and shine that it needs. Um, there, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Davison got an amazing. Uh, it was amazing beautiful. Homecoming. Did you see that? That heroes yeah, welcome. A, that yeah, he got? it was awesome. It was a heroes welcome. It was it was great. It was a it was a freaking Corona party because that's all that is to me. When I look at that, I just see Corona all in the air, man. You got to stay away from those gatherings like that. Okay, a few other things before we go. Let me give a couple of shout-outs here. And the first one that I want to give out is uh, to a dear friend of yours, a, a coach who unfortunately passed mm -hmm. away. Uh, last week, I had the opportunity to meet uh, him many times. Tell us about this man. Yeah, man. Coach Javi Carvajal. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful person. Um, he he passed away last week on Tuesday, I believe. And uh, our entire AKA family is, we're hurting, you know, because he was he was a great part of our, our, our team. And, you know, Coach Javi worked very closely with Luke Rockhold. If you go and look back to Luke's championship run in Strike Force and in the UFC, you'll always see Coach Javi behind him. He would spar you. He would work with you. He was in phenomenal shape. I didn't even know he was sick, man. Mm. I really didn't even know he was sick. We exchanged the messages on last week, Monday, and uh, he told me that it was gonna be this one was gonna be rough to get out of. And he was a father figure to Mowgli Benitez. Lived with him, him and his wife Melly. Lived with Coach Javier. He was a loving man. He leaves behind a beautiful son and a wife, and and we're gonna miss Coach. I, you know, the closest I've worked with Coach was during the Josh Barnett fight, and. He, I felt phenomenal. We're we're gonna miss him. It was it was very sad that um, he passed. I was able to talk to him before through Mowgli. Um, I FaceTime Mowgli and was able to say some words to him uh, before uh, he passed away. Yeah, we're hurting. It it was it was very sad. He's, he was a beautiful man. Obviously, I didn't know him as as well as you did, but saw him at many events. Was very close with Luke Rockhold and was just such a nice, sweet man. Always very. Uh, pleasant happy smiling complimentary uh and i was shocked when you told me that i had no idea he was sick because he well, was so fit like he was yeah. so fit right and cancer man cancer just runs through people it's it's an ugly violent nasty disease and it uh it took it took uh it took a great man from us he's gonna be missed my condolences also to uh, Carlton Hasselrig's family yeah uh, six-time all-american who oh, uh, passed champion. away fought for elite xc Six-time national champion, bro. Like, Carl, Carlton Hasselrig actually changed the way the NCAA did things. You know, back when he was wrestling in college, he wrestled at Pitt Johnstown, I think, and he, uh, he would win the Division Three national title and then go wrestle Division One and win that. And so they said, no more. 
you know, you cannot go across divisions anymore because of, of how great he was. So, uh, sad, man, sad. Wasn't very old, you know, so it kind of sucks. It really sucks, actually. Yeah, a, a tough time, but, uh, I mean, those... Uh, 2020 has just been bad. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I want to give a shout-out, a very special shout-out to try to uplift us here and not, not end on such a sad note to a, a, a man named Dom who sent us an unbelievable message on our Apple review and uh, just an indication that we read these reviews. This is what he wrote. DC and Ariel, you guys have been a bright light for me over the past several months. The past few months have been rough due to my heart disorder, and I've been battling this for over 10 years. Not to mention the pandemic has had me out of work since early April. I look forward to hearing you guys every Monday. DC, I've followed your career since your Olympic days. You are a true role model and champion. Ariel, I've been a fan since uh, a fan of yours since the MMA fighting days. I love the view you share on the sport. I have a heart operation coming up this week. I'll be listening to you guys as I prepare for the operation. Thanks for all of the content. Sincerely, Dom. Dom, my man, we wish you the best. We wish you, uh, you know, all the, 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 the luck in the world with this, uh, with this heart operation. We'll be thinking about you, and we really appreciate that. That meant a lot to me. That, those, are, those are the messages that mean the most, you know, to people, the people that just take what we do, enjoy it, and it just helps to uplift them. That's it. Like that's that's the that's the that's the that's what this whole thing is about, you know. We talk fights, we have fun, but when people listen and they're touched by or we get them to forget about in Dom's case, you know, his issues with his heart and the pandemic and everything. Um it, it those are the those are the messages that mean the most. And Dom, good luck. You know, good luck, man. We'll be praying for you. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. DC, my man, we are out of time. Much love to everyone who else who won on Saturday. Shogun Hua, uh, congrats on a great career to uh, Antonio Rogerio Noguera, Carlos Sparza with a big win, Tanner Boser, Paul Craig, and so many others. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have enough time to talk about all of them, but we will be back next week. Hey, my man, have a great week of training. We're getting close. We're getting close, baby. August 15th. Let's do this. Three more weeks. Let's go. Hey, man, let's see you guys next week. Okay, fair enough. Thanks for watching, everyone. Peace. We're out of here.